This is Season 6 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. What is the most counterfeited bill of all U.S. currency? Ooh. Hi, I'm Nick. <laughs> and I'm Roy. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 2. We scour the internet and other sources to find useless information just for you. Plus, we'll answer your questions from our mailbag segment and the headline from news from around the world. Get ready. A man from Naples, Florida, ain't got no satisfaction. No, Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. If you're hungry for useless information, your weekly sweet and savory facts of totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Come and get it! (laughs) That never gets old. No. There's a Guinness World Record for eating, or sorry, drinking a bottle of ketchup. Drinking a, a bottle of ketchup. Andre Ortoff of Germany holds the world oh, thank record. You. <laughs> <There> you <laughs> I go. said, "Who would do that?" You go, Andre. <laughs> from Germany, you ask, I'll answer. He's from Germany. Holds the world record for guzzling tomato ketchup, drinking the condiment through a straw. He downed a bottle of ketchup in seventeen point five three seconds. That's a lot of tomato ketchup. No, that's. I don't even want to think about that. Hold the mayo. Cucumbers. You know, we put them on our eyes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Or we eat them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But cucumbers are 96% water. Oh. They're only 4% of whatever else they are. 96% is water. So next time you're playing sports or doing something like that, it's a great thing to eat. It's cucumbers is a wonderful thing, especially if you're a runner, things like that, because you're hydrating as well as putting something in your system. I love that. And not mm-hmm. only that, like I've seen many uh, the fancy spas or whatever, they have they slice cucumbers in water. Why bother? Just drink, just eat the cucumber. Exactly. Throw the water out and eat the cucumber. There you go. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question. Is your banana glowing? I, I haven't checked it. Um, what was okay. the what was the thing about the news? The, the uh, Florida man from uh, Florida man from Naples, something where he ain't getting no satisfaction. Maybe his banana isn't no. glowing. Well, let me explain. Or growing. Or growing. Or growing. Yeah, it depends if he's lying or not. Bananas are rich in potassium, a mineral that balances water levels in the body, as well as keeping blood pressure healthy. So bananas are good for you. We know that, but. A small proportion of that potassium is the unstable radioactive form, which you are swallowing alongside the regular potassium every time you eat the fruit. Other fruit and vegetables rich in potassium will have a teeny bit of radioactivity in them. Thankfully, it's next to impossible to get a significant dose of radiation from eating fruits and vegetables, so it's okay. Nick, yes. get ready to be amazed. Okay. According to the Plant Information Center, or PIC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I just thought of something. If I worked there, I'd be Nick from PIC. Yeah. A one-sided, dry, indehiscent fruit with a hard pericarp derived from one locold ovary. Oh. I probably got most of that wrong, but <laughs> it did sound pretty small. I'm right? sure a botanist will write in at nickandroy.com and correct you, but go on. What, what about I'm sure. It? What about it? But that 
is that that is the description of a nut, a oh. nut that we would eat, let's say a walnut or right. peanut. Okay, but an almond is a droop, a fleshy plant with a stony endocarp. So what you're saying is your nuts can droop. Is that what you're getting at? No, no. It's a stony endocarp. So basically, it's explaining you, Nick, being that the marijuana is legal in uh, Canada. (laughs) You're a stony, limp, fleshy drope. There's a uh, greeting card with just that on there. It's beautiful, isn't it? It is. Uh, <laughs> you know the fuzz on your peaches? It's the limp banana. No, no, no. It's, it's no, peaches. no. It's the glowing banana. This is the fuzz oh. on the peach. It's I'm a gen- there's a genetic difference that means peaches have their signature fuzz, not like the police, but anyway, right. signature fuzz. There's a genetic difference between a peach which has their signature fuzz and nectarines. They have a smooth skin. Peach fuzz tends to collect water droplets, keeping water away from the skin underneath so that peaches, are they rot less readily than nectarines do. Wow. And, and also, pests don't like the peaches as much as nectarines because they don't like getting their, they don't like to get their legs tickled by the fuzz. The old fuzz. The fuzz. The old t- fuzz around the peaches. Fuzz tickler. Yeah. I had a fruit bowl once. It was a banana and two peaches. But <laughs> Nobel, the Nobel Prize guy. Yeah, yeah. He invented dynamite. We spoke about that on the show. And he was also very upset about it. If you remember, he created the Nobel Peace Prize because he was so upset that he invented dynamite, which became a weapon of war. Right. He used nitroglycerin to make the dynamite. And one of the main ingredients in nitroglycerin, where do you think nitroglycerin is derived from? That's a good question. Peanuts. Peanuts. The glycerin for nitroglycerin is usually derived from peanuts. Wow. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, so the nitroglycerin that goes boom, uh, that will really droop your nuts. Oh, sure. And if you want a, a good, uh, you know, you eat a peanut and it's like, boom, it blows right in your mouth. <laughs> Not in your hands. Right. <laughs> there are 500 million <laughs> Tim Tams sold every year. I have a few. Do you? Okay. <laughs> but this, well, then you've really traveled halfway around the world because Australia's hugely popular chocolate biscuit, the Tim Tam, is made from mm. two layers of chocolate malted cookie. It's sandwiched together with a chocolate cream filling before mm. the whole thing is covered in chocolate. So if you really like chocolate, this... this I was uh, just going to say, sounds good to me. Tim I mean, Tams, Tim Tams, by the way, were named after a horse that won the Kentucky Derby in 1958. Around 45 million packs, that's about 500 million biscuits in total, are sold every year in Australia. Tim Tam. Wow. That's cool. Did you know that in 2000 BC, in Syria, you could use gold as money, which we... I mean, that, that makes sense, right? right? Yeah, of course. But you could also use olive oil. What? Yes. In fact, most Syrians preferred the olive oil over gold. It was it had an intrinsic value, hmm. which is crazy because Popeye would have done well. He could have used olive oil. It would be like, a, like her pimp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he married olive oil, did they ever get married, by the way? I, I'm, I'm assuming they got married. No, I mean... Uh, Pluto might have had something to say about <laughs> that. Right, you know? yeah. Anyway, well, I guess with what you're saying with the value of olive oil, Popeye married well. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for joining us week after week. We really appreciate it. We're now in season six, and uh, we really appreciate it. We have listeners from all over the world, over 60 countries, Syria, and also uh, North America, all over North America, and in Canada, the United States. We thank you for joining us. We want to visit our website, nickandroy.com. We have all kinds of episodes, over 100 episodes. Did you tell them we're on the radio all over we're Canada? On the radio. We are on the radio, on the iHeartRadio Talk Network in seven Canadian cities and soon to be all over North America. You can't get rid of us. You cannot get rid of us. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Wall Street, Bay Street, NASDAQ, Hensing, loonies, toonies, dollars, and yens. This is On The Money with Nick and Roy. All right, according to the Coinage Act of 1972. You know it, Nick. Backwards and forwards. Oh, I mean the Coinage Act of 1972. If you're an employee of the U.S. Mint and found to be counterfeiting U.S. money, it is punishable by death. Death? <laughs> now, really? listen, this was 1972 that they put this act in. Okay, you could murder somebody in the streets of New York and they don't even give you, like, <laughs> there's no bail. You just go home. Yeah. And don't worry about it. Yeah. Come back in a couple of weeks. We'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. But if you, if you are an employee of the U.S. Mint and you counterfeit money, you are punishable by death. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, your money or your life. Mm. Or fake money or your life. Mm -hmm. uh, so the stock market, of course, are made up of stocks. What are stocks? Well, they've been around a long time. St stocks have been around longer than you probably think. They have to go back. You have to go back to the 11th century when agricultural debts were traded in France and the 16th century when a more sophisticated debt market existed in Belgium. The first publicly traded stock seems to have been that of the, D of the Dutch East India Company, which was founded in 1602 and engaged trade between Asia and Europe. So it goes way back. Its shares were traded on the Amsterdam stock market. In the United States, however, the New York Stock Exchange is the oldest exchange created when 24 gentlemen, they gathered under a buttonwood tree in 1792 and in the part of New York City, which is lower Manhattan, later became Wall Street. You remember when we first went to high school, kind of, we just had met each other. Yes. And we did a report. Yeah. And we did the Freedom Trail yes. down in Manhattan. Yes. And we were by Francis Tavern. Yeah. Which is literally across the street from Wall Street that the pictures that everybody always sees. And it's where Washington gave his farewell address to the troops. It's really an area that's so steeped in history. It's fantastic. Yep. So you got if you're in New York, do the Freedom Trail. It's it's fantastic. It's in lower Manhattan, yes. Most of my things today are about money counterfeiting and things like that. This one is my teaser. Okay. What is the most counterfeited bill in the U.S.? And most people say 50 or 100, right? Well, I would think so because I would guess the same, uh, because not because I do it, but because uh, it's the most common uh, denomination. Oh, no, no, wait it's a minute. A Hold on. $20 bill. That was going to be my second guess. Do I win anything? Yeah, you win some counterfeit money. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a $20 bill. Huh? The second most, what do you think that is? The ten dollar bill. What the heck? No, it's the hundred. The hundred. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was a trick question. Oh boy. Okay. The theory is 
20s go quick and you can just pass them quicker, you know, than a $100 bill. We all have heard about a credit score, okay? And one of the companies that you get your credit score from is Equifax. Mm-hmm. Equifax, of course, is a common household name when referring to credit scoring and reports. But it didn't really start out that way. Originally, Equifax was called the retail credit company. It collected all types of information on Americans from simple capital and credit to data on their sexual, political, and marital lives. It made mm. even it, it even made judgments of character in its reports and its information that was rife with bias. Could you imagine? You know, yeah, we don't want to lend you, we don't want to give you a mortgage because uh, you're not exactly uh, the best performer in the bedroom. Jeez. And we hate your politics. <laughs> Go yeah. figure, right? This is insane. North Korea has mastered the art of counterfeiting and bad men's haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He created the bowl haircut, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact... Their 50s and $100 bills are so good, they're called super dollars by the federal government. And most of the time, they pass the bank. Really? They're only detected when the Fed gets a hold of them. Don't worry. President Biden says he has a plan for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're all good. Of course he does. (laughs) So we talked about your credit score and may predict the success of your relationship, but Uh it can also determine your relationship success. Researchers Jane Docko, Jessica Hayes, and Yang Lee found that a higher credit score has implications for your relationship's long-term success. Those with higher credit scores typically stayed together longer or had a greater odds of getting into a relationship the following year. So the bigger your credit, yeah, the, the more b- girls you'll get. That's right. The big the if yours is bigger than anyone else's oh, guys. you're you're gonna your relationship will become secure. Or, be, or either one. That's right. Long term so, long term okay. success. That's right. Which uh, you choose, <laughs> but whichever one it is, you have a good credit score, chances are you're gonna be in that relationship for a long time. Mm-hmm. Let, let's face it, money is a big deal in relationships. Sure. Uh, I'm glad my wife has a lot of it. <laughs> is her name Olive Oil by chance? Uh, yes. Yeah. This is a great name. Emmerich Juder. Emmerich. Emmerich Juder was a counterfeiter. Some say a stupid counterfeiter. <laughs> he printed phony $1 bills. Okay. He printed just enough to live on. So he didn't overuse them. He'd go to the store and use a lot of $1 bills, mix it up with some of the other money. It took the feds 10 years to find this guy. Wow. Okay, now here's where the story this is the one you're going to tell people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they find him. It takes him 10 years. This guy is spending tens of thousands of dollars a year for 10 years. So hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally dollars. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's arrested at a Dollar General, probably. <laughs> but listen, he only spends four years in jail. Oh. So he's put in jail for only four years. He spends all that money for 10. They put him in jail for four. When he gets out, Hollywood buys the rights to his story oh. for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So this guy, he made out big time by printing singles. So was there a movie that was made uh, about this guy? I could not find it. Wow. The Emmerich Judah story. So sorry, what was his name again? Emmerich Judah. Yeah, that's not his real name. That's a fake name. Come on. 
I know. <laughs> Who would name their kid Emmerich and then be a counterfeiter? Come on. Literally, the name of the movie should be The Buck Stops Here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now available in your local theater. Uh, mm-hmm. We've all heard of loan sharks. United mm. States, during the time of Civil War, newspapers called the practice loan sharking because the lenders employed the same ruthlessness as the great predators in the ocean, well, like sharks. Aggressive, angry, and greedy. They can do many illegal things to get repayment, these loan sharks like kidnapping or even killing. Oh, yeah. Da, da, yours money. Da, da, pay us back. Yeah. Like in the movie Goodfellas, where he's there and he goes, he goes, give us the money. Come on, give us the money. Come on, come on. What are you doing? Give it, put the phone down. <laughs> give us the money. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Innovations. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. Did you ever have a, a remote control car? I did not. No? But funny story. I dated a girl whose dad was very influential in producing the remote control circuitry that becomes all of the remote control cars and drones and everything. And he did it for the U.S. military. Well, Nikola Tesla, he could probably thank Nikola Tesla. He's one of the great inventors of the world. In 1898, mm-hmm. at the Electrical Exhibition in a recently completed Madison Square Garden, Tesla demonstrated what was hard to imagine. He explained it was a boat equipped with a borrowed mind. Everyone at the exhibition was excited and expected a surprise from Tesla, but no one could imagine a radio-controlled boat from the, quote, mad scientist. Right? That's what they called him. He mm-hmm. decided to trick them into believing they could control the boat by shouting commands and encourage the crowd to ask questions of the boat. So he would say, what's the cube root of 64? And the lights would go on the boat, flash four times. <laughs> okay, so while the crowd thought that Tesla was controlling the boat with his mind, messing, totally messing with them, he was sending signals to the mechanism using a small box with control levers on the side. What Tesla invented in 1898 with his remote control boat was the birth of robotics. His invention was far ahead of its time, and the crowd that observed it at the exhibition could not imagine its practical applications, but he did. And therefore, your the girl who used to date her dad now has a job. Yeah, he's a boat captain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> aye, aye, captain. RV Ball, not Harry Ball. No, <laughs> not Harry Balls. Right. No, this is Harvey Balls. Harvey yeah. invented something we've all seen. Yeah, I think everybody in the world has seen it. What is it? The smiley face. <laughs> really? You know the T-shirt smiley face, the yeah. circle. Yeah. With the eyes and the and the smiley mouth. You know what he was paid for that? $45. No. He was paid $45 for the idea. Okay? When he realized how popular it became and what a mistake he made, he immediately invented the sad face. <laughs> <laughs> wow, $45. Harvey Ball. Not to be mistaken with Harry Ball. No, that was his cousin. So we've all called somewhere, and sure enough, there's that music on hold, right? So the person who sort of discovered this was a factory owner, and his name was Alfred Levy, who by one account discovered that a loose wire touching a steel girder, his telephone company's phone system was picking up the broadcast from a neighboring radio station. When the callers were placed on hold, 
Mm. They no longer heard silence, but the music coming from the radio station. <laughs> and therefore, that's when he sort of invented and patented music on hold. You know, I just shorted out the system. Exactly. The, but the I radio just, waves came through. I just thought of something. If you're a business owner mm-hmm. and you have this system, right? Just about everybody does. And you want Roy and I to be on that system and provide your company with useless information. We'll record yeah. a whole bunch. Send us an email. Your people will stay on hold for hours listening to us and not even be mad. In fact, they they'll would, be upset when you pick up the phone. That's right, because we'll be in the middle of a fact and say, hey, did you know where this came from? And then I can help you. No, put me back on hold. No, put me back on hold. I have to figure out what the hell they're saying. So go to nickandroy.com. If you're a business owner and you want us to record a whole bunch of useless information for your messaging on sure. hold system, send us a message and then we'll we'll talk. We'll We'll um, we'll negotiate and and we'll provide useless information for your business. We are like customer service gurus. NickandRoy.com. Yes. Um, oh, Margaret E. Knight invented something at the age of twelve that saved literally lives and limbs. Oh. The auto shutoff of the fabric mill machines, the oh. textile machines. Right. The, if they got stuck, they automatically shut off. That's no, literally before that, the machine would keep going and drag a person into it and rip Ooh. their arm off or their, you know, or whatever the hell yeah. it picked up on. That's why people say that clothing costs an arm and a leg. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that's not> <laughs> literally. <laughs> so she invented but thanks this. Thanks to Margaret E. Knight at the age of 12. Well, that's what I was thinking. So if she invented this at age 12, she must have had experience, which means this was in the height of like child labor. Yes. Well, they gave her an award and they, they gave it to her in her left hand because she had lost her right no. arm. <laughs> no, 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 she gave her right arm for that. Oh, my God. So the family of what was her name? Margaret E. Knight. Yeah. Had she met uh, Harry Balls, she probably would have married him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we all remember the club, the club, right? That's the um, the invention where you uh, you basically it prevents you from uh, prevents people from stealing your car. James mm-hmm. Winner Jr. was a winner indeed. He invented yeah. the club. James Winner Jr. The anti-theft device for your car was an inspiration from him when uh, right after his Cadillac was stolen. And he remembered back to his time serving in the Army when the steering wheels of Jeeps could be protected using chains. Smart move. So Winner International was established in 1986 in Sharon, Pennsylvania, to market the club and other security and safety products. While similar locking devices had been invented decades earlier, the mm. club's success was cre- was credited to heavy television advertising featuring police officers talking about the club with the slogan, if you whacking, can't... Whacking people yeah, in the head with it. If but, you can't you steer know. it, if you can't steer it, you can't steal it. So here's a little bit of the commercial. Stealing a car is simple. First, I gotta make sure not to attract attention. Then I look for a car that doesn't have a club on it. Hey, I've only got a few seconds to steal the car, and the club makes my job a lot tougher. So if you want to keep your car, club it. When it comes to protecting your car against theft, you should be using the club anti-theft device. Accept no imitation. Make sure the anti-theft device you buy says the club on the handle. Do you remember, I remember hearing that commercial, but do you remember how many people 
probably had to go to the hospital with cracked open skulls because you take the club off and throw it in the back seat. That's right. <laughs> and if you forgot somebody was back there, you whacked them in the head with it. That's right. I'm sorry, Nick, that I did that to you a few times. <laughs> Which explains a lot. <clears throat> I know, I know that we weren't in the car, but I did hit you with the club. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good aim, <laughs> Doctor Harry Balls. No, I'm no. sorry, Doctor Harvey Col- Cover. Okay, or Coover. Excuse me, Doctor Harry Coover set out to create a plastic new precision rifle sight. Okay, but the material that he made or invented, called Cyanarsi, Cyanarsi. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's weird. It didn't. It didn't work. It didn't harden properly. It just got stuck to everything. It was. It was terrible. The, it became. It became liquefied very easily, and so on. And he said, "This thing. This stuff is just sticking to everything. I can't use this. I have to invent another. Scrap the project." Well, he put it on the shelf for six years before he realized that he had created crazy glue. Oh wow. Yes, I guess uh, he was stuck on the idea for six years. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, so the first time it didn't work, so he said sayonara to the first item, and then he exactly. invented crazy glue. He was actually working on something for a plane, Yeah, and they had to stick something to it, and they said, maybe we'll get that stuff that he made, uh, that uh, Harvey Coover uh, made, and the team that he was working with and sure as hell crazy glue so he patents it you becomes go, a, a millionaire i remember when they the crazy glue first came on they had uh, a construction worker with a hard hat and this mm-hmm. construction worker they would put crazy glue on the top of his hard hat and they would like stick him to the girder of the uh of, like a steel girder and be hanging mm-hmm. from there and and that's how you remember that that's he, how strong he, he was be doing like uh, lifting his legs up and stuff yeah it's crazy stuff so um i don't know if you're a fan of ben and jerry's ice cream um, I'm not. I really okay. don't like Ben and okay. Jerry's. So it's sorry. too like it's too thick and okay. fatty. Well, that's me. your problem. Lots of people love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Okay, and this mm-hmm. is not a this is not a an advertisement or promotion for Ben and Jerry's. This is a, a we're in inventions as you're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. There is a mm-hmm. solution for those people who love Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and their roommates or their significant other steals the ice cream. They have. A gadget that puts a clamp on the lid of the ice cream called Euphoria Lock. The Euphoria uh-huh. Lock is a two-piece plastic collar contraption designed to fit standard pint containers. Uh-huh. One half slides up over the bottom of the pint. It screws in the top ring, outfitted with a three-wheel dial mechanism, and you re- rearrange the digits, of course, and voila. Your yeah. your froyo or your fish- let me just explain something to those stoops that invented that. I would turn it over on the table, yeah, cut the bottom open, yeah. eat the ice cream, and then put it back in the freezer. <laughs> when they unlock it, they'll find an empty container. And when they when they realize there's nothing in there, I'd be like, "You didn't use that locking system, did you?" you know it evaporates. You know what? They they should have used they should use the club. The club mm-hmm. of the Ben and Jerry's yeah. ice cream. I belonged to a club when I was younger. Yes. The Playboy Club. The magazine would come every month. Here's, well, hold on. Yes. Before you go, tell me your next one. So this you're item, still stuck on ice cream? You're still stuck on the ice cream because of my, my tongue is stuck on the ice cream. This <laughs> So this delightfully tongue-in-cheek concept came from one of their customers 
who mm-hmm. suggested that they start selling their ice cream in stainless steel containers with padlocks on them, and therefore they came up with this idea. Euphoria lock for your Ben and Jerry. The Hagen Doss has a better idea. It's yes. a a German saying that says, we will kill you if you take our ice cream. <laughs> Joseph Brom. Yes. The man who invented the modern toilet. Okay. What is the not modern toilet? I don't know. <laughs> but he invented the modern toilet. He also invented something else. The beer tap. Oh. Tap beer was invented by Joseph Brom. He said... Let the beer and the crap flow. <laughs> I was, you know, what I was thinking when you said that yeah, is usually when you, when, when you, yeah, exactly, when you go out for a beer or two or three, you don't mm-hmm. buy it, you rent it, right? So basically, you know, you drink the beer. What an ingenious person! Joseph Brom was such a heavy drinker; he had a tap in his bathroom next to his toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and when they got really drunk and mixed up the two, oh my God! He sat on the tap and then hit the switch. <laughs> Beer flowing out his eyeballs. (laughs) Uh, You're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. We thank you for joining us week after week. We appreciate all of your emails and support. Actually, speaking of emails, lots of people went to nickandroy.com. Nickandroy.com. They clicked on contact us and they sent us an email. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? You know what I love, Nick? This, this week, I think, I don't even know how many birthday uh, message cards. We do a special birthday, uh, totally useless information for people's birthday. And then they open it up and they on the day of their birthday and they have this totally useless information done by Nick oh, yeah. and I. And it is the coolest card. Everybody that has gotten them has said how great it is. So, But I'll have my ma- mailbag. Mm-hmm. Chauncey from Maryland. Chauncey. He says, you guys make my week. You oh. guys make my week. Not my day, but, I, but not his day, but his week. No, yeah. He says, you guys make my week. I use your information all the time now. Uh-huh. People think I'm really smart. <laughs> Useless, but smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should do videos or Facebook Live so people can see you. As well as hear you. Now, that's really funny because apparently he hasn't seen us. Yes, Chauncey. (laughs) So he needs to go to he needs to go to the picture section. But then again, he did see us. He was on our website. Yeah. Maybe he's just crazy. So our pictures that are on the website are are our high school pictures because we've been high school friends. Right. So those of you those of you who have just joined us, thank you for joining us. Uh, Roy and I have been high school friends. So over 40 years, the pictures you see on the website are our high school pictures. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's a reunion picture, though. I'm not sure. No, no, no. Th- that picture, actually, are a high school uh, pictures that they took, you know, for gra- our graduation. Oh, okay. So, um, tells you how much I'm on the website. <laughs> well, you- Hell, it's my website. Isn't this true, Nick? Tell tell the truth now. Okay. Did we not talk last week about Facebook Live? Yes, we did. And this guy, Chauncey, sends this email. So when I read it, I said, this has got to go on. 
So yeah, we're thinking about doing a Facebook Live in the future. So and even uh, with Twitter, it's called uh, Twitter Spaces, I believe. And so basically, we uh, would go on and we'll let you know, of course. Uh, but all you have to do is you go to Twitter and type in uh, Nick and Roy Channel, Nick and Roy Channel on Twitter. And then you'll be notified when we'll have one of those in Facebook Live, of course. That's all coming up yeah, in season that, six. That will fit right in on that Twitter thing. I mean, we have empty spaces between our ears. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool. Thanks, Chauncey. Bob Richardson from Cincinnati, Ohio writes, Dear Nick and Roy, our family really enjoy your show. We find ourselves, uh, we find ourselves challenging each other based on what we hear on the show. In fact, sometimes cool. we pause your show just to discuss what we just learned learned my question for you guys is this when did the use of military time begin hmm. well thanks bob that's a really uh, great question oh and he says by the way and we really do tell a friend about the trend oh. so, you know how at the end of the show <laughs> at the end of every show you say tell a friend about the trend that's kind of like a little thing that we say so he says thanks and we really do tell a friend about the trend. We have so many people telling us that in Thank their emails. It's amazing. So it'll Go be ahead, our... military time. All right. After missing a train while traveling in Ireland in 1876 because a printed schedule listed PM instead of AM. Mm. So he was late for his train or early. I'm not sure. But Sir Sanford Fleming proposed a single 24-hour clock for the entire world located at the center of the earth, not linked to any surface meridian a predecessor to the coordinated universal time, of course. It was an early proponent of using the 24-hour clock as part of a program to reform timekeeping, which also included establishing time zones and a standard prime meridian. The Canadian Pacific Railway was among the first organizations to adopt the 24-hour clock at if midsummer you're, if you're listening, in folks, in 1886. And you're still awake. It means 12 o'clock is 12 o'clock and 1 o'clock is 1,300 hours. That's right. There you go. Okay. And who is the person? The Bob? person, Bob Richardson wrote in the email, but it was Sir Sanford Fleming who missed the train because someone screwed up the printing of the schedule. Bob, if you go down to the train station at 1,400 hours, maybe Bob Fleming will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Attention, Mr. Fleming. So once again, you go to our website and you send us an email, contact us, nickandroy.com. For something completely useless. Yeah, U.S. President John Tyler. Uh huh. Now this one you got to keep up with, folks, because this is a really cool one. Okay. U.S. President John Tyler, better known for nothing, was born in 1790. He had a living grandson up to 2020. Oh, wow! Now how the hell is that possible, right? Well, it seems that Tyler was a horny old soul and had a son at the age of 63. Oh. Lion Tyler. L-Y-O-N. Not to be mistaken with most politicians, lying. No. <laughs> or imagine if his last name was Lion Tiger. There you go. So Lion's, Lion, the son, was born... Uh, at the age of 63, when John Tyler was 63. Yeah. Not to be outdone by his dad, Lion had a child at the age of 75. Whoa. The grandson of John Tyler. Can you just imagine this? And his son, Harrison, the, the, the child was named Harrison. Yeah. Harrison died at age 92 in 2020. Wow. 
age 92. Most of the women in the retirement home stayed very far from him because they thought maybe they'd be getting impregnated. Lion, lion used his loins. Mm. <laughs> these yeah. Kids. Wow. So um, we've all popped champagne corks, right? I've popped a few. Champagne corks <laughs> can leave the bottle. Apparently, apparently John Tyler did Yes, too, he popped a lot more. Yes, he <laughs> sure did. So here's my useless fact for today. Champagne cork can leave a bottle at 25 miles per hour. What? That's only only 25 miles per hour. The gases around the cork, however, according to a recent study, those can get close to twice the speed of sound or 1,534 miles per hour. And trust me, me and Nick did the study. Yes, we did. <laughs> we were like, this is a good study. <laughs> so here's, here's another bonus useless fact. Bonus, bonus. Mm -hmm. There are a million bubbles in your glass of champagne. Scientists estimate that one million bubbles are the likely number that will form in the flute of a champagne glass. Wow. That is, if you... Did that make any sense? The flute of a champagne. The flute is, yeah, a flute of champagne. Well, it's called you know, a flute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is, right. if you leave it to sit there. I knew a girl named Bubbles who okay. loved to play the flute. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a million, and she knew a million songs. So if you leave the the uh, flute of champagne sitting there, it'll mm. it it will estimate as according to scientists' estimates, one million bubbles. We'll go into the environment and destroy the ozone layer. No, God. Exactly. Again, that is not true. No, not at all. <laughs> On the show today, we talked about inventions. We talked about money. We talked about what else did we talk about today? We talked about ailing voice. The ailing voice. <laughs> it's time terrible. for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. By the way, we got a couple of compliments on the uh, the news announcer, so kudos mm -hmm. to the news announcer. A Florida and man... And we didn't even put her picture up. No, we didn't. <laughs> a Florida man, police say... In Naples, no less. He was he was arrested in Naples, Florida, which is not too mm. far from where you are. A Florida man, police say, declared himself that he was Mick Jagger while being drunk in Naples. According wow. to the Naples Police Department, Eugene Bingham was disrupting in a number of downtown Na Naples restaurants, including... Wait a minute. His name was Eugene Bingham. Bingham, yes. It's not like his name was Rick Jagman, right. but he could have gotten it wrong. Right. <laughs> Eugene Bingham was so drunk, he thought he was Mick Jagger. What he, restaurants? He was disrupting in a number of downtown Naples restaurants like Ocean Prime and Yabba's. Mm -hmm. Have you been oh, there? Oh, Yabba's, Yabba's Grill, yeah. Okay, all right, so you've Grill been there. And Ocean Prime, they're right by the, the theater. So Roy yeah. lives in the southwest part of uh, Florida in Fort Myers, not too far from, uh, from Naples. At Ocean Prime, he yelled at a guest and tried to fight with the others at the bar. At Yabba's, he's accused of trying to get on stage during a live performance. He wanted a fight, probably, with them. He said, don't just stop me up. Don't just stop me up. No, go ahead. He got no satisfaction. <laughs> Naples police found that Bingham, walking near the bathrooms on the north side of Cambier Park. Mm -hmm. Cambier Park? After Cambier a Park. After a woman I know exactly where the bathrooms are. They're by this, like, hippodrome thing. Uh, where were you last Monday? Because apparently this happened last Monday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yep. So apparently. I was screaming at this girl, Angie! <laughs> Her name was Angie, yeah. <laughs> so the woman told the officer a drunk male in a red shirt is yelling at people claiming that he is Mick Jagger. 
A struggle ensued after police officer found Bingham. Yeah. He was placed under arrest and vomited in the back of the Naples police car, which unfortunately had a malfunctioning camera, so they didn't catch it, but they have to take their word for it. Bingham couldn't be processed into jail because of medical reasons. However, he does face charges of disorderly intoxication and battery on a law enforcement officer. Unbelievable. Yeah. This happened in Naples, Florida. That's right. In places that you know that you've been to. So it's not Roy. Don't worry. He's still with us. But I think I'm going to mess with the cops and go down there this weekend and be like, I'm McJagger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, not you. Copycat. Uh, That's all the time we have for this week's episode. Thank you very much for joining us. We encourage you to go to our website, nickandroy.com. Leave us a message. And once again, if you're a business and you want us to be on your on-hold system, go to nickandroy.com, click on Contact Us, and we'll talk about being on your on-hold system with useless information. Cool. And then, folks, remember, tell a friend about the trend. Tell everyone you know. Send out the message to listen to the show. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit NickAndRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.